Well, good morning again, and I do hope and pray that you all had a wonderful celebration of thanksgiving to God, as we uh, talked about uh, last week, and uh, hope that continues, that, that spirit of just thankfulness to God for how good our God is. Well, as you know, today I have something uh, that's a little bit difficult to prepare for. Uh, I've realized that as I was doing some looking that there really is no template for preparing to give uh, your your last sermon at the church you've been pastoring for the last uh, 18 years, really no template uh, for that. And uh, January of 2024 uh, would have been 18 years, and so I'm not going to discount the past 11 months, so I'm just going with 18 years. Uh, in my prep, I was thinking about uh, this message, and I kept telling myself, you really better deliver on Sunday. They're, you know, they're, they, they want a good one. And, uh, you know, the Lord helped me to remember uh, really what the approach has been for the past 18 years, and that is just be faithful. Uh, the Lord will take care of the rest. Be faithful. And so my, my hope is to approach the word with that same reverence, the same passion, the same desire, and for the Lord to use it to accomplish his purposes, not mine. That's always been uh, the goal. The Lord brought me to 1 John chapter 1 for today, and uh, that's actually been thinking about this passage and this text for weeks now as I've been thinking about this. And I felt really uh, just a sense of peace that this is where the Lord uh, brought me. 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 has um, been connected to Fellowship Church for for many years. It it, it was on uh, on the front of our bulletin for years. It was on the front of the pulpit, um, the the text uh, and and the reference in in the gym, uh, the pulpit in the gym for years. And, and so this passage has strong roots in, in this church, and I'm, and I'm glad for that. I'm happy for that. Because this text, I really do believe, gives the mission of the church. It makes clear who the church exists to make known. The Jesus of the scriptures. And, and the reason that's important, and, and we've talked about this before, is because it's not, it's not our version of Jesus. It's not the culture's version. It's not any filmmaker's version. It's not even really the the version of the latest theological persuasions that just kind of ebb ebb and flow through time. It's the one that Jesus revealed in the scriptures. And And I think it fits perfectly for this last message as your pastor. And I'm really privileged to be able to share it with you today because, again, I really do feel... Like it summarizes so much of what we have been seeking to do as a church for all these years. So I'm going to pray and ask God to lead us, and then we'll go, we'll go and start looking um, at First John chapter 1. Lord God, thank you for this gathering of your believers. Thank you for the, this Lord's day. Thank you that we take time each week to come together to worship you, to hear from your word, to submit to one another out of love and reverence. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the authority it has in our lives. Continue to use it to help us to grow. And so, Lord, I pray even now that you would use your word 
to do the things that you have uh, purposed for it to do in our hearts and in our minds. And each person that is here, may they be encouraged by it. And may you, Lord God, continue to go before this church in all things for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me, let me start by reading the passage, and, and then I have uh, five questions uh, that I want to ask and answer uh, from this text. And again, in my view, these questions and these answers reflect really what, what I believe we have been striving and seeking to do as a church these past uh, 18 years. First John chapter 1, starting at verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So that's the text that I'm going to draw these questions and answers from. And the first question I want to ask and then answer is, who have they heard, seen, and touched? And the answer is the one from the beginning, Jesus. That which was from the beginning. So the Apostle John is the writer of this letter, and it is written from John to to Christians who are kind of dispersed in the first century living throughout Asia Minor. And John was dealing with uh, Gnosticism at the time. There were Gnostics, and and Gnostics denied the humanity of Christ. They, They saw all humanity as evil and spirit as good, so they couldn't accept that God became human flesh because that would bring evil into the picture. And so John here is very specifically referring to the humanity of Christ. The one heard, he talks. The one seen, you can see him just like any other human. The one, the one touched, he, he has a body. The one from the beginning has become human flesh. He is from the beginning because he is God, the eternal son. He has always been God, was not created. He is God, but the one from the beginning has been heard, has been seen, and has been touched. And so that's question one. Question two is to what do they testify Two. The answer to that is the life revealed, made manifest. Look at verse two. The life was made manifest. That, that word manifest there means revealed. And we have seen it and testify to it. So John uses the term we here. Who is he referring to? Well, he's talking about himself and the other disciples, the other apostles of Jesus, the the ones that Jesus taught. He's saying, he's saying we, have, we have seen him with our own eyes. We, we heard him. We heard him talk. We, we touched him. And it is this life, the, that person that was revealed to us, 
He was made manifest. In other words, God revealed him to us. God made it so that this Jesus was revealed. Humans didn't make that happen. God made that happen. And that also means something. He wasn't hidden. He was revealed. Revealed is is the opposite of hidden, right? You, You hide something so it's not revealed. He has been revealed. He has been made manifest. And it is to this Jesus that these followers are saying they're testifying to that Jesus, to that person, the person revealed by the Father, made manifest, the one heard, the one seen, the one touched. And it's the same with us. We're not called as Christians or as a church to testify to anyone's version of Jesus. We're called by God himself and the scriptures to testify to one version of Jesus. Which version is that? The life revealed. The life made manifest. That's what John's saying. We testify to him. That's who we testify to. And that is clearly what we have sought to do as a church. And will continue to do, I believe. Going forward. Question three, what do they proclaim? What do they proclaim? They proclaim the eternal life who was with the father revealed to all of us. Verse two, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. So we proclaim eternal life. That's part of the proclamation of followers of Christ. So these are apostles. This is John doing exactly what Jesus called him to do. He was empowered by the spirit to do. He's proclaiming the eternal life. And again, who is the way, the truth, and the life? It's Jesus. What we as believers have been called to proclaim is not really up for debate not really a debatable thing. It's been determined for us. What do we proclaim? We proclaim Jesus, the one who was with the Father, the one who was made manifest to us, revealed. And again, what does that mean for us? Well, it means we can't just make up our own version of Jesus. We don't just proclaim any version, whatever that is, We're not called to proclaim the Hollywood Jesus, whatever that would be. We're called to proclaim the heavenly Jesus, the one revealed, made manifest. And we as Christians shouldn't become more comfortable with the cultural, maybe Hollywood Jesus, than you are the heavenly Jesus revealed to us in the scriptures. We must proclaim the same Jesus who is with the Father, that Jesus. We proclaim the Christ revealed to us, made manifest to us. And I'm repeating these things to make it clear how important this is for us as individuals and as a church. Question four, why do they proclaim this eternal life? So that others, the lost, may have fellowship with us. Verse 3, 
That which we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. So there is purpose in the proclamation. There's purpose in what we proclaim. We proclaim the eternal life, Jesus, that was revealed. And why do we do it? Well, don't miss this. It's, it's, it's biblical what 1 John 1 is saying here. We proclaim so that those who do not have fellowship with us may have fellowship with us. And that word fellowship there is koinonia. The sharing. Fellowship. 1 John 1 does not call us to evangelism for the purpose simply of conversion. It calls us to evangelism for the purpose of community. Christian, Christ-centered community. And many of you that are here today have a testimony that fits with this verse, this very text. I've talked to many of you. You're here because you were invited into fellowship with us. But to have that true koinonia with us, we needed to proclaim to you the Jesus revealed. And we did. And you believed. And now you have fellowship with us. This is the primary reason I believe that this church is growing. Many, many churches and many people proclaim the mechanics of the gospel. And what I mean about the mechanics is the ABC. You know, the, you know, the believe this, the believe that, to do this, to do that. But what they're not doing, what they're failing to do, that First John is calling us to do, is not just proclaim the mechanics of the gospel, but invite others into fellowship, into koinonia. And that's our calling. <clears throat> that's why we worked so hard as a church to resolve logistical issues like parking and seating a place to worship. It wasn't because we had a goal of smooth logistics. Our goal was to invite others into fellowship with us. All people, all kinds of people, all colors, all ethnic backgrounds, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all kinds of people are welcome. Amen? They're welcome. And they are invited into our fellowship. So we proclaim and we invite into fellowship. Now, why would the lost, why would those who do not have fellowship want fellowship with us? Well, the, I believe this text answers that question as well. In verse 3, because our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And indeed, our fellowship, verse 3, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. And this is the key to all of it. So the reason the lost, unbelievers, those who 
do not have fellowship with us will want that fellowship is because they see something. They see something they maybe don't understand or even recognize or have witnessed before. They see something about a group of people who have very diverse backgrounds and who wouldn't be together apart from Christ bringing them together. They see that we have fellowship not only with each other, but with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. And this is the power of the church. This is the glue of the church. The fellowship, the koinonia of the body with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That, that fellowship that we have is, is, is so important also to our ability to properly and biblically invite others into it. Never lose this as a church. Never lose that. Don't become enamored with programs, new buildings, anything else. There's a lot of things, and not, none of them are bad necessarily. But don't allow those things to get in the way of what it is that God has called us to. And that is our fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Never lose sight of that. Protect that. Keep that foremost. Now, as I look back myself over these past 18 years, this is what I believe we've been striving again to do as a church. We strive to invite others into fellowship with us. All people. And many of you, again, are here over the last probably three to five years, and you've been invited into this fellowship. And you, you sense it. You, you feel that you are a part of something bigger. Where the part of something bigger is that our fellowship is indeed with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, through the Spirit. And so as we continue steadfast in that fellowship, we're going to proclaim this Jesus revealed here. Not the, not the one of the culture, not the made-up Jesus, not the Hollywood Jesus, whatever versions they decide to come up with next, not the latest theological fad about Jesus, but the Jesus made manifest. Again, revealed in the scriptures. Now, let me ask you something as you think about that. What does this mean then for Fellowship Church in 2024 and beyond? Well, it means that you, the church, you must be the Jesus heard, seen, looked upon, and touched by the Back Mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world. And I, make, I want to say that again, and then I want to explain it so you don't misunderstand. It means that you must be the Jesus heard, seen, and looked upon, and touched by the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world. Now, I'm not saying, let me say this clearly, I'm not saying you're God. <laughs> you're far from it. You've heard that plenty of times from this pulpit. John wrote that he had seen Jesus with his eyes, that he had heard him with his ears, that he had touched him with his hands. So are we then to go into this community, to the back mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and the world, and are we to tell people, go search for that physical Jesus that John was talking about here? No, that's not the mission. 
The mission isn't to go search and, 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 and dig up some, some body and touch that. It's not, it, that's not the mission. Jesus ascended. He gave us his spirit. And he said, you are the body of Christ. The body to the world. What does it mean? What does that mean? It means when the world needs to hear from Jesus, needs to touch him, needs to see him, who should they find at work? Christ's body. His church. The fellowship at work in the world. So you're Christ's body to the world. So let them hear, let them see, that's our mission. And then as they do, as they do hear, and as they see, and, and as they touch, you are called to invite them into fellowship with us. Why? Because our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, through the Spirit. This is what I believe we've been doing or seeking to do as a church. Simply that. Trying to live this out. And here's the amazing thing as I was thinking about this. This means, as you look at that on the screen here, it means that I must do the same. And as you, the church, send me and Stephanie, your mission gets accomplished pervading the world how because we go to make him seen heard and proclaimed in the southeast district and it's really our privilege then that we can say we've been sent from this local fellowship here on hildebrandt road in dallas pennsylvania So we're, we're, we're connected. We're tied together in that. And I think that's such a beautiful thing for us to consider. So that's my exhortation to you from the scriptures. Now I need to transition. I need to take some time to share some gratitude with all of you. So it's not something I typically do, but today is a day for this kind of expression of gratitude. So I hope you will give me some latitude for some gratitude. Did you pick up on that? Let me, uh, let me just start with the congregation of Fellowship Church. It really has been my privilege to serve you as your pastor uh, these past 18 years. Uh, as I've reflected, I've thought about the fact that I've had the privilege of, of marrying many of you, baptizing you, dedicating your children, providing pastoral counsel and support to so many of you. And it really has, uh, it's been my privilege uh, to do so. So thank you for the opportunity to serve you and the Lord in that way. Ministry leaders. Over the years, I've met with and I've worked together with so many ministry leaders, men's, women's, youth, kids, college, missions, deacons, community group leaders, hosts, 
And really, it's been my privilege to serve alongside each of you. Many of you are here today. We've been in meetings together, talked about a lot of things. Thank you for the way you've served your church and allowed me to help uh, serve you in those roles. To the elders, over 18 years, I have served with many elders, many late elder meetings. Many faith-filled decisions were made in those meetings. Many decisions made in those meetings we're living out right now as a church. And it's, it's been fruitful. I'm going to mention names. It's something I rarely, if, uh, if I ever do, but today, again, I think is the day for me to do that. I want to thank uh, Ben McEntee, Adam Wise, Lee Pyatt, Jim Hennings, Sam Payne, Steve Schweitzer, our current uh, group of elders for the way that they have been so faithful and serving. And ever since my announcement, their workload went way up. Um, but thank each of you uh, past elders that I've served with, uh, Gary Kirk, Scott Diefenbacher, Andy Thomas, Don Rittenhouse. Um, I don't think I've forgotten anybody. It is possible that I have. And if I did, I ask for grace. But it was a privilege serving with each of you uh, over these many years. Staff. I've served with a great staff over the years. Uh, Mark Weiss, thank you for the years you served, especially during difficult times. You know, we sang about sovereignty and sometimes God places us in different times and seasons. And that was certainly one for, for Mark. Thank you for the way that you served. Hazel, thank you for your constant encouragement and support to me through many, many years um, and times. I have to keep each of these short so I can get through, through it okay. Uh, Jeff Yakovich is, is not here today. I want to thank him for taking on such a difficult transition. Um, and doing it uh, so well um, and providing great help to me. Uh, Carol Hennings, we didn't work together long, but thank you uh, for serving so humbly. Uh, Bill Elston, thank you for serving this church as an unpaid staff member and doing it so willingly, so gladly. Uh, I really do believe your reward in heaven is great for the way you've served this church. Pat Diefenbacher, thank you for everything. That's the word you need to use. Your, your support from the very beginning has really been uh, such a blessing to me. Uh, your uh, wide range of gifts and strengths is an incredible blessing to this church. Judy Harvey. We have served together for a long time. I don't even, I'm looking around. I don't see. Oh, there she is. Um, thank you for always doing so humbly with a heart to glorify God. Your gifts and your service to this church has produced much fruit. And I know she would rather, most of these people would rather I not say anything about them. But today's the day for that. Pastors, I have... Uh, I got my water out, forgot to take a drink. I've served with such wonderful pastors. I'm so thankful for each of them. I want to start with uh, John Butch. Uh, many of you know him, some, you, some don't. He gave me my first opportunity to serve the church as an 18, 19-year-old, gave me responsibility that I probably didn't 
I wasn't ready for, um, but he encouraged me to serve, and I, uh, I believe God used that. To Dwight Hodney, um, I don't know if he's here, but thank you, Dwight, for everything. Thank you for taking a chance on a young, over-energized pastor uh, with tons of ideas. I had more ideas than I knew what to do with and very, very little experience. Um, Dwight, your faith in me back in 2005 is uh, really what allowed this church, I believe, to take the step of faith that they did in calling me as a pastor, and I'll never forget that. Um, that has actually helped me in calling other young pastors to fellowship the way you did that with me. Holly Hodney, thank you for the way you encouraged Stephanie as a she was such a young pastor's wife, and even for your words that you shared on Friday night. Stephen and Keisha Anderson, I'm still amazed at how the Lord brought you to fellowship. Thank you, Jim and Carol, for that. Helping, being willing to let God use you in that way. But Stephen, I've been so encouraged with working, you, working with you over these past uh, few uh, times that we've had together the past two years. You've encouraged me to keep growing. I want to encourage you to keep your fervency for the word of God, which you have, clearly. Your love for Christ's church is evident, and I believe you will shepherd this congregation well. I have great peace knowing that the Lord has called and prepared you to lead this church. Nick and Laura, where's, there they are. Another example of the Lord sovereignly moving and bringing such gifted people to fellowship at times that we couldn't necessarily knew, knew what he was doing. But Nick, you're a blessing to this church. Thank you for making me laugh. Some people say I'm too serious. Not sure where that comes from. But Nick, your leadership of our college and our youth ministry is a strength of our church. And um, that, that's been the result of your hard work, and I know how much you care. I'm blessed by your soft heart and your devotion to truth. And I really do believe God has much ahead for you. So I want to encourage you to stay faithful. Tim and Ashley Shear, thank you for your ministry at Fellowship. Your family is such an encouragement to all of us as a church. Uh, it's hard when I think back to think that you arrived here as parents of one, and now you're a family of seven. We are so thankful for Lucas and Samuel and Hope and Dalton and Charlie. Thank you for modeling uh, our adoption as sons and daughters of God in the way you've welcomed Hope and Dalton into your family. And thank you for even inviting me to be a part of that. Tim, thank you for telling jokes I don't get <laughs> and probably never will. But seriously, Tim came at a time that we needed a lot of help administratively. And the Lord provided you. And you provided that help so well. You helped me more than you probably know. And it was really my privilege to bring you on on staff as a pastor. And I pray that you only continue to grow as a pastor and a shepherd. And Carl and Quinn, I am so thankful for both of you and your family. 
Uh, I was thinking back of the day that we helped your family move into the apartment in Dallas, which doesn't seem that long ago. It was, I think it was like August of 2011. Um, can't believe how much time has, how time has flown by. But watching Christian, Eric, Ethan, Seth, and Jason grow up in this church has been a blessing for all of us. And it's so glad that you have three of them here with you. I have made many decisions as a pastor of this church, but um, no decision was greater than the one to bring you to fellowship as our pastor in 2011. You have served faithfully, humbly, and I think it's true that you remind us each week how blessed we are to have you lead us into worship each Sunday. And you have been a rock of support to me. Um, since you arrived, so thank you. Thank you. To my uh, extended family, um, I want to thank Bob and uh, Marianne Sikowski, uh, my uh, mother and father-in-law, for the way that you have uh, raised um, Stephanie. And just for the encouragement and the support you've been to us, for our entire ministry here. You supported us behind the scenes in ways that most really never will know about. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you to um, my sisters and their families. Uh, Where's Lily? Where where are you, Lily? Okay. Um, Cindy's sick and couldn't be here. um, uh, But I want to thank... Andy and Lily, Mike and Cindy, um, for their support and encouragement to us as a family uh, in ministry since the first day we arrived. You know, it can't be easy. You can ask Lily about this. can't be easy having your brother as your pastor, your older brother, too. Uh, Thank you uh, to my sisters for the grace, the encouragement, and all the support and prayers uh, that they've given to our family. I love you both so much. Thank you to my nieces and nephews and their kids. Uh, Having them a part of the church has been such a blessing. Uh, Josh and Allison Lasinski, Robbie and Caroline Hoffman, Andrew and Bree Thomas, what a blessing your families are to us and also your commitment and your love for this church. To my parents, um, thank you, Mom. That's all I'm getting out. <laughs> and uh, my dad is sick. Uh, it's breaking his heart that he couldn't be here. Um, but I want to say thank you to my father. He always encouraged me to more faith in Jesus. He was unwavering in his support of our ministry. And I want to thank him for his very powerful prayers on um, my behalf. I've said to him often that I think it's that is what's keeping everything going, uh, how much he prays, and um, I'm just so thankful for the, for the parents God gave me. To my children, thank you, Julia, Gabriella, and Mark. You grew up as pastor's kids, and that wasn't something you necessarily asked for, And honestly, as your parents, we didn't even know how to help you navigate that. Um, 
but here you are as grown children, and each of you are committed to the Lord. And one of the things I'm so grateful for is that you love the local church. And I'm thankful to all of you for that. Um, what a blessing. That's a blessing to all the pastors and their families. But thank you for your grace in sacrificing time with me, your father, to allow me the time to shepherd the church. You did that often and willingly and graciously. So thank you. I love each of you so much. Thank you, Logan and Ricky, for your constant support, encouragement, for your prayers for us. Um, really just so thankful for both of you and how God brought you into our families, which you mean uh, to me, to our daughters, and to our family. Thank you. And to Stephanie, my wife, thank you. Faithful, always supportive. And there really is no way I could have ever served this church or the Lord in the way that I did without you. You gave me strength in ways that you really will never know. Thank you for the way that you faithfully served our children and for the way that you provided such care and strength in our home. And thank you that you cared about that and what was going on there more than anything else. And to my Lord God, to you, Lord God, be all of the glory and the praise for you alone are worthy. You deserve it all. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness to me, none of which I deserve. I want to thank those, take a, a second to thank those in glory who impacted me in my pastoral ministry here at Fellowship. I can't speak more than just names because there's too much to say, but I want to thank uh, John Davis, Paul and Annie Mazenko. Ray Stella, Evan Thomas, Ken Trosky, Aaron Sarah, my brother-in-law, Karen Burke, Bill and Jerry Spencer. I thank God for each of them. My prayer is that their legacy of faith in Christ will continue in this church for many years to come. 1 Corinthians 10.31 has been a source of ministry purpose for me. It says this, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. That has been my hope all these years, to do all things for the greater glory of God. So I summarize all of that and bring, it, bring us to this. Fellowship, let's continue to proclaim and make known the Jesus made manifest to us so that others may continue to have fellowship with us. You do it here. You do that here in Dallas, PA. I'll do it. We'll do it in the Southeast. Because indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for the great things that you have done. We honor you. You are so good and so merciful and so gracious to us. Continue, Lord God, to lead this fellowship. May this local church here at Hildebrandt Road in Dallas, Pennsylvania, may it accomplish the purposes that you have set forth for it, Lord. 
Thank you. What a, what a, uh, just a great blessing this, this congregation is. We ask these things in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.